0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in.
1: A few years ago, a friend of ours found himself in a season where he started to notice something wasn't quite right with his soul. Overwhelmed, empty, and depleted, he decided to do something about it. Today, he shares with us the practices he learned to get his soul and his life back. We could not be more thrilled to welcome back to the show for the third time our good friend, the one and only Mr. John Eldridge. If you're not familiar with John, he's the founder of Ransomed Heart Ministries in Colorado Springs. He's a well known Christian speaker and teacher, and best selling author of books like Wild at Heart, Waking the Dead, Journey of Desire, and his latest book, Get Your Life Back. Conversations with John are always so rich, so full of wisdom, and most importantly, they leave us longing for more of God. And today is no exception.
2: Your soul is the vessel that God fills. Your soul is the means by which you experience God. And when your soul is baked like a desert, you can't receive the water He's trying to bring.
1: John unpacks the power of simple practices such as getting outside, seeking beauty in our everyday lives, taking a daily one-minute pause, and remembering who we love. This conversation is one to listen to again and again. May these practices help us create more space in our souls for more of life and more of God. Listen in.
0: Well, Mr. Eldridge, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Yay
1: thanks guys yeah
2: i was looking forward to this
1: we are too we do too when
0: we see your name on the counter, we go that's gonna be a fun conversation (laughs) that's gonna be great so the reason we're here today is that you have written a brand new book we are excited for you congratulations on launching this new book get your life back i love the subtitle everyday practices for a world gone mad congratulations on this new project
2: Thank you, thank you. Hoping to save a bunch of lives with this.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, let's dive right in. You know, so that there's a real kind of kind of Genesis crux for you that a few years ago you went through this season where you started to notice that something wasn't quite right with your soul. Uh, so tell us what happened and what kind of brought this all about. You know. One of the first places I saw it, and I really
2: disliked it, was with my grandchildren. We've got three little ones now. you know they're two years old, one years old, three years old, and I could play with them for about three minutes before I wanted to check my phone, check my email, see what was going on in the grown-up world. Like I couldn't be present to people that I love. And then I noticed it was Stacy. And then I started noticing these other symptoms. Like she had given me a mountain bike for Christmas. I hadn't ridden it in like four months. And I used to be a reader. I wasn't reading anymore. Like all these things that once brought me life had somehow fallen on the way. And instead, I was just running like crazy and deeply tied into the technology and, you know, doing what most people would consider to be their normal life. And I didn't like it. I didn't like what it was
0: doing to me. Well, I think the thing that's so interesting is that, like, you're usually pretty intentional in your life. You know, you're one of the ones <laughs> right. that's like, I'm, I'm trying to not do this. And that's where you found yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I'm the most
2: monastic person I know. And so for that to happen to me, right. I knew it was like, oh, my goodness. How are my friends yeah. making it? Yes. Right.
1: I love one of the things you say is we've been sucked into a pace of life, all of us, that no one's enjoying. Our souls can't move at the speed of our smartphones. We're so distracted and hurried that we forget what brings us life and we stop making space in our life for it. And you say a lot more of life is more of God. I love that. That stuck with me so much. More of life is more of God. So if I'm longing to get my life back, if I see a book title, Get My Life Back, and that resonates with me, what I'm really longing for is more of God. So I want to talk about these ways that you give us that can create space in our lives to receive more of God. And there are so many great ones, so many that resonated. It was really, really hard to pick a couple. But I would love to start with Seeking Beauty and specifically Seeking Beauty Outside. That one really resonated with me. And this is not a practice that we normally think of as a spiritual discipline, right? But it truly is. I mean, I literally come back from a run in the trees. I tell Chris every time, like, my soul feels lighter. I actually feel a lift after spending time in those trees and I experience God there. What is that? You know, it's not a checklist on my spiritual disciplines list, but I feel God's presence there. My soul is lifted there. So tell me why, why does that happen to me when I'm in the trees?
2: Oh, this is such a rich topic, because first off, there's a ton of research to show what that's doing to your brain and yeah. what that's doing to your neurochemistry, like your cortisol levels are literally dropping as you do that. So neurologically, you are experiencing immense relief. It is a reset of the brain and the body and your hormonal systems. But let's back up to the world is filled with the glory of God. Mm right? The whole world is filled with his glory, the psalm says, that God inhabits creation. He inhabits beauty. And that was the environment that the human soul was made to live in. Now, th- This is a mind-blower. Your body actually needs to be grounded, like the electromagnetic pulses that are going through your body that are keeping many people awake at night. You were meant to be barefoot in the grass, and it would ground you. So, you know people with immune disorders and that sort of thing are discovering the importance of of reconnecting with dirt mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and,
2: and with the earth but because that their god is there he inhabits his creation and the human soul is so traumatized in this hour on the earth i just need to say in kindness people you weren't meant to be assaulted like this you weren't meant to know the heartache of every community in the world. You just, we're never meant to, to live in a world like this. So if you can get into beauty, you can get into nature as a soulful practice, It—it it is
0: enormously healing. It
2: is. Let's
0: talk about that for a second. People say like, well, why, is, why am I not supposed to know everything that's happening in the world? I think you even mentioned it when we got to spend some time in Colorado at the conference that like, In times past, what, like 100 years ago, 200 years ago, you you only knew a small bit of information. Unpack that for people listening. So they really grasp the idea of what what we're really wired to actually know and what is happening to us.
2: Well, the human soul is not very big. Your soul is finite. The Internet is infinite. Mm -hmm. And it will inundate you with information. You know, you can... You can tune into what the Russian president's doing, and then the next moment you can find out about the loss of children in Puerto Rico, and then the next moment it's the fires in Australia, and then you're just being inundated with way more information than the human soul was made to take in. Your soul is village-sized. Like, of course we're meant to care. Of course we're meant to love. Of course we're meant to intervene. But not on a global level. Only God can do that. Right. Right. I'm thinking of that all. He's got the whole world, (laughs) you know, only God can do that. You can't get your hands around that, folks. Like your soul is wonderfully small. And to be kind is to admit the limits of the capacity of your soul. Recently, I've become convinced that I think the real danger is actually for caring people. It's not for the cynical, it's not for the checked out. The real danger is for the caring people because we are suffering with overwhelmed empathy. Our empathy is overwhelmed. There's just too much to care about. And that will deplete your soul. That will wear you out, run you down, you know, make you thin and then you're going to start turning to all your comforters, to mm-hmm. the donuts and the, you know, alcohol and whatever it is, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's definitely donuts for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I want to come back to this idea of seeking beauty and intentionally filling our lives with beauty. Um, And beauty can be experienced outside in God's creation. A lot of the times it is, but it can also come in different ways. And I love that you touch on that. It can come through relationships. It can come through hearing a song that we love or experiencing just a moment with somebody that we love, looking into our baby's eyes. Those are moments of beauty. Um, How do we intentionally pursue those moments in our everyday lives, not just on a grand scale, but fill our lives with them on a weekly basis?
2: Yep. Yep. Because the good news is this is all around you. It's very available. It's the water drops on the windshield. It's the songbirds in the morning. It's the way the sunlight comes through your kitchen window. It is everywhere. And God did that. Because he knew how traumatized our souls were going to be in this war-torn world. And so here's what you do. Most people notice, but then they just go on. It's like, wow, what a pretty sunrise. You know, and they're just into the next thing. What I'm suggesting is this, is that you pause and you receive the beauty. Receive it into your soul. I'm, I'm looking at this fountain. I'm watching the water spill over. And I say to myself, oh, Jesus, thank you for this beauty. I receive it into my soul let the beauty do its healing work because beauty heals beauty nourishes this is the fascinating thing why do we send flowers to people in the hospital why do we send flowers to people who are grieving like we know it intuitively we're like this will help yeah beauty will help and it's because beauty brings hope and beauty reassures you of the goodness of god and beauty is this wonderful presence of the mercy of God in our world. Well, I receive it. Mm-hmm. I receive it, God. Thank you for this. Thank you for this moment. Human hands, human faces, windows, trees, it's everywhere, gang. Yeah. Like, yeah. let it do its healing thing. Yeah. That's love so it. Good.
0: It's so good. You, you know, the thing I, I love when you pick up a book like this. When you can tell that this book is something that's like a passion, it's burning them, it's a a message that God has given them, and I know that this is what's happened to you. And throughout the book, you tell personal stories of how these moments, your own personal journey, have been impacted with this message and what God's done. So I would love for you to share one of the stories that you have in the book about how this has impacted you and how that unfolded
2: well i I didn't even intend to write the book. I just needed care I, A couple of years ago, I just got to the place that I'm describing that we're all in, that I was just thin, fried, you know, and so I began to it's something as simple as the one minute pause, which is the the first chapter simply learning to pause during my day because I would just go from meeting to meeting to phone call to phone call, and even if I'm commuting you know, catching up on the news, I'm catching up on podcasts, right. I never stopped. Mm-hmm. There was no Shabbat. There was no pause in my life. And so I began to pause. And then in the midst of that pausing, what Jesus began to say to me was, John, give everyone and everything to me. And this is when I began to become aware that my empathy was just way overwhelmed, was um, I'm carrying too much give everyone and everything to me. And at first it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But now it's a lifesaver. I mean, just those two things, learning to pause and learning to give everything, everyone to Jesus Mm -hmm. has been so healing for my soul. I, I, Enjoy reading again, I enjoy my grandchildren again, I'm I'm hiking again, I can pay attention to what Stacy's trying to say to me in the morning. I like I, I'm a human being again. Yeah. Right? I'm recovering my humanity. Mm. And the beautiful thing is this, this is like the secret of the book, is that your soul is the vessel that God fills. Your soul is the means by which you experience God. Mm. And when your soul is baked like a desert you can't receive the water he's trying to bring i mean it just rolls right off right you're too distracted you're too fried as you take care of your soul as you let yourself be human again your experience of god is going to become so rich and so wonderful you're like where has this been all my life Well, the answer is, your poor soul has been haggard. (laughs) That's
1: that's why. Right,
0: right. You know, you said something. You you said, I'm human again. And I know that there's somebody listening, probably multiple people listening, going like, I want to be human again. I don't want to be running and crazy in this mad world. And I'm sure you've had people who've read the manuscript and have walked through this and those who heard it at the conference and even this first week who are checking in or whatever. So if you're sitting across from one of these listeners and they're saying, John, I want to be human again. Where do I go? What do I do? What, what, is, what is the advice or the, where do you start with these practices and all that's in this book? How do you help guide them to that place where they can breathe and be human again?
2: Mm-hmm. There were things that you used to do That brought you life go do them again now to do that you're going to need to make a little room so turn off your phone at 8 p.m you you honestly don't need to be plugged in for the last hour or two of your day Mm -hmm. when you get up in the morning do not check your phone first make it wait make it sit there on the counter make a cup of coffee look out the window say some prayers like You don't have to be ruled by it. We can use it as the tool that it is. It's very, very helpful. But take back some margin. Mm -hmm. And in that margin, there were things you used to love to do. What happened to those things? Go get them back. Did you love your bike? You used to bike and you don't bike anymore. Was it reading? Was there a book you're halfway through that you just left? Go get it. Go back and do those things that allow you to live a human pace and to be a human being.
1: That's so great. I love that. And so it leads right into my last question about the practice that was my absolute favorite that hit me hardest was, Um, really the crux of all of this. And it's remembering our love for God and recovering our love for Him. And I love how you say, in those moments that you're talking about, whatever brings you life. It's different for all of us, right? Um, We had one of those moments yesterday where we just got, all of a sudden, it was just the two of us at a coffee shop. The rain was coming down, but we were able to look out the window, doing something we love, have rich conversation. And we we just went, I love this. I just love this. Um, And then I started reading where you talk about that exact thing in the book. When we have those experiences where we feel that I love this moment, God is in that. And it's an opportunity when we experience that beauty to turn that back, to thank him and to experience that moment as a gift from him, as a token of love from him, because he is the source of such great gifts he is the only source of that much life um so will you talk about that because ultimately this book is about not just recovering more of our health and our life but more of god because that is where we find life more of loving him in those places so unpack that practice a little bit more
2: well, the, okay, so let me connect two dots. The, the pace of life, the tsunami of information, what we consider to be kind of a normal day, erodes your union with God. It, it just does. By the nature of the stress, by the nature of the distraction and the chaos, it is it is pulling you away from God, who is our source of life. And so the the opposite then, the choice is, God is in the things that you love. Like, if you've got a thing for art, get that back, because God is in that. And as you're enjoying, you know, Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal Son, as you're looking at something like that, paintings, beauty, music, the laughter of your kids, skateboarding, kiteboarding, you know, whatever, God is in that. The reason that you love the things you love is because he loves them. This is going to do wonders for your intimacy with God. Most people have never connected that. The reason that you love those little particular things you love, you know, you love the rain. You love the sound of rain on a tin roof. You love the smell of coffee in the morning. The particular things you love, well, it's because God loves those things. Mm -hmm. God inhabits those things. He is coming to you. His presence is coming to you through the things you love. So now the new thing is oh Jesus thank you you are right here you are in this I receive you this is the God I love this is who you are it's like reminding me oh yeah you're that good yeah you're that wonderful that's who you are right yes. it's so it's so good for the relationship
1: I I love that. And you're right. I I think we we can all look back on our life and we have a handful of our most precious memories, Mm -hmm. right? We all have those. They're different for everyone. But I don't know that we've made that connection, that those memories that immediately bring a smile to our face and a light to our eyes, that was God loving me. That was God loving me.
2: Even more than that, it's God romancing you. He's literally wooing your heart, especially as a child. So all those little childhood things that you loved, your favorite little creek, your grandparents' cabin, you know, all that. That was God wooing your childlike heart to him.
1: Right. I'm curious. Do you have a story of one for you? What's a moment for you that speaks loudest of God's love for you that you just enjoy?
2: So we just did a we just did a retreat for a bunch of guys up in Colorado uh, we do these four day things for men and, and they are deeply deeply healing experiences there's so much warfare around them it's so difficult to pull off the rescue of the human soul that I forget that I love it because it's just hard 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 work it, it requires a level of vigilance that's really quite exhausting I get home it's the next morning I don't check my phone first thing <laughs> But I do check my phone eventually. And if and a, a friend sent me a story of her son who was there and the healing that he experienced. And then there was this picture. She attached a picture in the text of him embracing his one-year-old boy. I lost it. Like, mm-hmm. I just wept. I'm like, that's it. Like, that's who you are. That's what you're like. God, you heal the brokenhearted. You set the captive free. Like, that... That's the God I love. That's who you are. And it was just so, I was literally on my knees in the kitchen, just weeping, just going, that is the God I love. That is what you're like. Yeah.
1: That's That's so good. good. I I love that. It reminds us who he is. That's what beauty does. That's what those moments that we experience joy, it reminds us, okay, I can trust you. This is who you really are, um, despite all that's going on in our lives. So
0: yeah, me. So, I mean, obviously, there's so many good practices in here that's going to draw us back to being human and draw us back to God. For you, is there a practice that's helped you the most? That's really impacted you and your family, or maybe even Stacy as well?
2: Well, certainly beauty. We talked about that. I'm, I'm practically an addict for it now. I, mean, <laughs> I seek it out. I need it. I, I need it. But I would say benevolent detachment which is the second practice in the book. And it's the idea of learning how to let everything go. You know, the phrase is, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. That practice, and I mean practicing it, it's not like once a month, it's daily. And it's several times a day. I give everyone and everything to you because it was overloading my empathy. I was caught in the chaos, but also... If you will let that stuff go, you know, it was Augustine, right, who said, we must empty ourselves of that, all that which currently fills us so that we can be filled with God. Your soul gets cluttered and burdened and all this stuff just sticks to you. And so to let it go, benevolent attachment, I give everyone and everything to you, God. Suddenly, God is right there. He is right there. And I'm, I'm able to reconnect and receive and find myself in him again by that, that one practice. I think it's the big lifesaver of all of them, learning to let it go. Yeah,
1: that's good.
0: John, there's going to be a lot of people that pick up this book. And um, I mean, I know your prayer and our prayer is that, that God will just meet them right where they are. But, but what is your hope when they pick this up, they read through it and they set it down? What do you want them to walk away with?
2: Um, It will set in motion a rescue, and the rescue will begin with parts of their soul, and then it will extend to more of their soul. And then suddenly they're finding more of God, and then they're getting more of their life back, and suddenly they're a more loving human being. It's going to trigger a series of small rescues, Mm. and the momentum and the cumulative effect of that is life and life with God again you get to be wholehearted you you actually get to be a wholehearted human being
0: so good well i mean i know that this is a message for today and for the people listening here and so before we wrap we're going to jump into our final three questions like we always do but since you've answered those final three questions before <laughs> twice yeah we're going to we're going to do mix it up just a little <laughs> and bit so it up. we'll start with Oh the... do i
2: get new ones you, you get new ones, ones.
0: yeah These are the special <laughs> Mr. It up Eldridge a little, of it for you. yeah Edition. Yeah. So, first one, uh, what's the first book that changed your life? First book that changed my life. I, I think I would have to
2: say it was either Watchman Knee, The Normal Christian Life, okay. or it was Larry Crabb's book, Inside Out. Okay. Nice.
1: What was it about it that changed your life? Do you remember?
2: Well, you have an inner you have an inner life and your inner life matters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's crab, right? That you have an inner world. And and at that time, you know, evangelicalism in the in the seventies and eighties was really do focused. It was programs and principles and projects and it was very external. It was good. It, it was all very good. Evangelicalism has swung around to start paying attention now to the inner life, but it didn't then. So, you know, Crabb and Allender and those guys were prophets at the time to say, you have an inner life and it actually matters.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Second question. What habit are you working on right now? What's God doing right now?
2: Hmm. Um, I have two places in my soul. I can feel them. I have doing and I have loving. I live mostly out of doing. Mm. I'm in the doing column a lot. And I, I don't like that. It's not good. Stacey does not like to talk to me when I'm in the doing column, right? Moving over into the love category, moving over into the love column, it sounds so basic. But I live far more to get things done than I do to love. And so I'm trying to, as a habit, like I did it during our interview today to just be aware of why am I doing this and move back over into the love column and say, no, I I really want to inhabit love in my soul and live
0: from that territory. Yeah, that's really great. All right. Our usual question is what advice would you give to the younger you? But what's the best advice that you have ever received?
2: Uh, I've received some really, really good advice over the years. But I remember sitting Brent Curtis was first uh, therapist that I saw before Mm -hmm. we became best friends and before we wrote a book together. So he's a therapist. I don't know him very well. And I'm sitting in his office. I'm a young man with a lot of questions. And he said, you know what? Just let people feel the weight of who you are and let them deal with it. And the reason was that I felt like a chameleon. I just felt like I was constantly adapting myself to, this is part of what it means to grow up in an alcoholic home. I was just constantly adapting myself to whatever the situation needs. You mean to be serious? I'll be serious. You mean to be funny? I'll be funny. Should I be insightful now? I'll be insightful. And he's like, that is madness. That's crazy making. You can't tap dance to the world. You have to be who you are. Mm. And that was permission that still rings true and, and is even ringing true right now for Stacy and I as we're trying to figure out what does the next 10 years look like? Yeah, be who you are. You know, offer that to the world.
1: That's so great.
0: Love it. Well, John, we love you, man. We are cheering you on. Guys, go get this book. Mm-hmm. Go follow them, Ransom Heart, like just the whole thing. Go support them. We just can't thank you enough for what you guys are doing and the work you're doing in the world. It really is special.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. Love talking to you.
1: Absolutely. We'll have
0: you back anytime. Yep. Yep. Well, we're cheering you on. Thank you so much for being here again. Thanks, man. Love you guys. What a great conversation. Guys, thank you each and every single week for showing up here. Your faithfulness truly is amazing, and we're so honored to get to take this journey with you every single week. As always, we would love to hear from you and how these episodes are impacting and influencing your life. You can hit us up at our website. Leave us a review on iTunes. And of course, you can find us on social media.
1: And you can find all the info for today's episode in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com.
0: All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Let's close it out like we do every single time, guys. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.